0: If you're a bride living in or planning their wedding in the Hudson Valley region of New York, then this podcast is for you. This is Hudson Valley Bride, where we'll chat with established wedding vendors in the area to get their expert tips, advice, and best practices so your wedding planning experience can run as smoothly as possible. Welcome to the Hudson Valley Bride Podcast. I'm Christina Lemmy, and I'm pleased to have Chef Yolanda Lee from Hungry for Travel, LLC as my guest today. A native of Brooklyn, New York, Chef Lee is a small town woman presently living in Dutchess County, New York with a big city attitude. Her love for cooking started in her teens when she attended a high school whose curriculum was focused in the food industry. Being classically trained in the culinary arts at the Culinary Institute of America, Yolanda has shared her talents in restaurants throughout the United States and has traveled mostly in European and Asian countries. When it comes to food, Chef Yolanda's passion has always revolved around celebrating the authenticity of the dish while honing her craft in the fine dining and banquet environment. Chef Lee believes that every event is unique and requires a person willing to listen to the client's ideas and ask the right questions to create everything that the client envisioned for their special day. Hungry for Travel LLC's motto is, your event is our specialty. Welcome to the show, Yolanda. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. I have so much admiration for you because I am one of those people who thinks cooking is an evil necessity. (laughs) (laughs) A necessary evil, I guess, is how I usually say it. Um, So how did you get involved? I know you Your bio said, you know, you went to high school for that, but was that a specific choice that you made? Did you know that early that you wanted to be in the food industry?
1: I did. I actually did. I cooked all the time for my mom, my grandma, or with them also, um, while everyone else was actually like doing hair or, you know, other things. I was like, hey, you want to try this cake? Would you like to try that? Or I would be cooking for the groups of people. I was the kid who threw like dinner parties for herself for her birthday oh. and I would be the host and I would cook everyone dinner. And then we would just sit around the table and just chit chat and, you know, just enjoy each other's company. Uh, yeah. So I think all in all, and it actually happened in junior high where I knew for a fact that I was like, this is something I really want to do. They had a home ex class. And I remember the teacher's name, Miss Young, Miss Youngblood. That was her name, Miss Youngblood. And she was like, make your favorite dish, you know, that you absolutely love and then share it with the class. And I made what my dad loves to eat. And it was like steak, mashed potatoes, and just corn, basic, right? Mm-hmm. But everyone was just like, this is so amazing. This is so good. And my eyes lit up and I was just like, I think I can hear that for the
0: rest of my life. <laughs> wow. Yeah, really. You know, <laughs> Sing all the praises, bring it on, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's really amazing because, you know, I've got, you know, two older daughters. And, you know, when they were even turning 18, they were just like, we don't know what to do, you know, and they are on their paths now, but it's, it's so wonderful and amazing that you knew at such an early age that that's what you wanted to do. That's phenomenal. Thank you. And then I realized too, how much food, like the
1: opportunity in food, You know whether like food and travel goes hand in hand, Uh, food and wine, food and beer, food and the 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 spirit, the uh, liqueur, Um, even gathering around the table in you know whatever your um, religion may be. You know whether it's Shabbat, whether it's Sabbath, whatever it is, you are gathering around the table with you know that particular dish or what have you to just engage in this. Amazing evening. You rarely see someone arguing or upset at the table unless someone took like the last cornbread.
0: (laughs) No, that was meant for me. You know, so. Oh, that's awesome. Um, So, when we're talking about weddings, uh, what type of services do you offer? You know, can people come to you for the whole shebang? Is that usually what happens? Or So how, not how at
1: the moment, unfortunately, especially due to the recent pandemic, things like that. A lot of our staff that we, we would have utilized have moved on. They have transitioned to different careers. They have just done so many other different things. Um, we don't necessarily have staff on our payroll, but we outsource from all the different um, venues, We also still utilize the culinary and things like that. So if I needed someone to help assist with me with a wedding, um, I would um, resource a wedding planner because I can't be in the kitchen and in the front at the same time. Sure. I usually do the food. Like that's my thing. The food aspect. And then I can also assist with the rentals because some most likely the rentals will also be I need your plates and things like that to put your food. Or okay. right, you know right. The buffet settings and stuff like that, um, but other than that, we're normally just the food. But we definitely have an array of references that we trust that we've worked with in the past that we don't mind sending you to.
0: When it comes when it comes to planning food, how how far in advance do brides need to be thinking about that in turn when it comes to booking um, a caterer?
1: So if someone was to reach out to me, say today. And they were to say, hey, we're looking for, you know, we saw your website, etc. We saw you wherever we saw you and whatever platform you may be advertising on. And we would like to have you cater our wedding. The first thing I would do is have them set up a 30 minute consultation. And that's when I get all the information in that one small bracket of what type of food are you looking for? What style of service do you need? Um, how extravagant are you looking to go? Do you need cocktail hour? Do you just want the reception? Do you also need someone to do desserts besides your wedding cake? We don't do wedding cakes. we don't have a wedding um, We don't have a cake designer on our team at the moment, but I can refer you to one, et cetera. if you have not already thought about that. Then once they have given me maybe three or four different um, cuisines and what they absolutely don't like what they absolutely love. And if they have any type of allergies, I can put together a smaller, more um, condensed menu to send them over for them to choose from. And even if they decide like some of those things are not even what I was looking for, they can also recontact me and ask, hey, we really would love to stick with this because this is part of our culture or this is whatever or what have you. And then we put that together like that. Once that menu goes together, we send out an estimate and a deposit needs to be made in order to move forward.
0: Okay. That certainly makes a lot of sense. And that was that went hand in hand with my next question about how do you go about planning a menu? Um, because to me who doesn't cook, it seems very daunting. So um when you get that information from the couples, you know, is that where your creativity, you know, comes I assume that's where your creativity comes in, in, in and Yes, because
1: something. I ask that's why I like to talk to the couples because you know, they usually Want to email, and I'm like, I need to get to know you a little bit. I need to get to know, you know, because for me, if if I, you send me over saying, hey, I would love for you to cater to my wedding, and then I send you every single piece of information that I have in regards to food, you're going to be overwhelmed. And be like, oh, I just want a sandwich, and let's just go to the courthouse. <laughs> <laughs> Ridiculous, you know. <laughs> or if you're strictly vegetarian, or you absolutely don't eat pork, mm-hmm. I want to make sure that that is not on your menu when you're going to look for what you want. If that's not what you want, and I don't know that unless we actually engage in a conversation and I see where your head is at and what it is
0: that you're looking for in your day. Right. Well, and and like you said too, like getting to know the people is that really seems to be a a theme among all of my guests. Every single one of my guests is all about getting to know the people and Mm -hmm. getting to know the couples and their likes and dislikes and, and how that makes it maybe not easier, but you can serve them better
1: by having
0: that relationship instead of just being like, like you said, you know, Oh, here's an email of what I do. Yeah. So I, I absolutely love that. Now how would you manage a menu if a couple has two very distinct different likes? She likes sushi and he loves meat and potatoes, you know. Um how do you so marry things like that?
1: I always either offer which I love anyway. Um I love either you know the buffet. First of all it's cost effective. It You know, it doesn't require too much staff. And of course, with everything going on, and I keep saying that because it's true, it conflicts with a lot of the gatherings, you know, it keeps those things down with people that you don't know at your event, um, either buffet or family style, because buffet, then you, you know, you get a little bit of everything or just what you want. And then you also have an option of getting a little bit more, sometimes, you know. And then family style too. You can I get a little bit of potatoes? Everyone gets a little bit of potatoes. Oh, you got chicken on the table. Can you pass the chicken? Opposed to a plated menu where everything is portioned, everything yeah. is one particular dish. She got the steak. He got the chicken. She got the fish. Now no one really gets to see what the chicken. Or, you know, anyone else's dish tastes like they may get, you know, similar sides, but then, you know, you don't get the full effect of like, oh, man, that fish does smell good. Maybe I should have got that, you know, or what have you, opposed to being able to just nibble on a little bit. So I would I usually offer that like, hey, if you guys, you know, if he is completely different than what you would prefer and you guys want to satisfy both palates, I would say do family salad buffet.
0: Awesome. Sounds good to me. You're making me hungry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I can always eat. (laughs) Now, how did you decide to make the transition from working in restaurants to creating your own business?
1: We did a lot of catering when I was in high school and I loved it. I love the interaction and the fact that you're able to There's usually never the same menu twice in catering. I mean, you might have some people that choose the same things, but they're always like, oh, they want something like maybe a side is different or an app is different or what have you, you know? So there's very rarely, uh, I get two different parties choosing the same exact menu, um, And that part too, I love. When I was in the restaurants, I did love it because, you know, at the time it was routine. I knew I went to work this time and that time. And then I got out at that time, sometimes a little later or what have you. But I knew that was like a steady thing. And my youth, I didn't have anything else going on. And, you know, I didn't have any children. I didn't have a husband, things like that. So I had all this extra time to just put in work, just work, 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 grind, grind, grind. And then my daughter came. And when my daughter came, it was a complete transformation for me because then I was like, oh my goodness, I do have someone I want to go home to. I do have someone that I want to see every day. I do have someone I want to interact with, that I want them to have my attention. And I believe like the transition, I mean, I've always wanted to kind of be a caterer and people used to kind of discourage me and they're like, why would you want to be a caterer? And I'm like, well, why do you want to be a restaurant? Owner, you know, so I'm like, you shouldn't just, you know, so I I I I wasn't necessarily discouraged by what they were saying, but I just was like, it made me second guess too, like, can I do this? Can I not do this? And then when my daughter was born, and I went home one day and went to go, you know, I had time with her. And I went to go feed her a meal. And my husband was like, she doesn't eat that anymore. I had a complete meltdown because I didn't oh, know what my daughter wanted to eat or, how, you know, what she likes because I haven't been around enough to get to know my child. But I'm getting to know everyone else that I'm feeding out there. Right. So I sat up, sat down and talked to him. And I was like, how would you feel if I transitioned and, you know, did what I've been wanting to do forever? And I've been in the industry long enough to know that I'm capable of doing this you know, and he supported me a hundred percent and we kind of slowly, but surely, you know, did the transition. I was working still at the place. I gave him, (laughs) so some people think I'm very gracious. I just think, you know, in the industry, I know it. So I gave my resignation, but I didn't leave until nine months later. And that was, (laughs) and that was also because I knew that, the turnaround is so hard. I was there yeah. since basically they opened the place. And even with the interviews coming in and out and the people that I were trained to take my position, they weren't lasting longer than two, three weeks. Oh man. You know, so I was just like, oh my goodness. Like while I'm still trying to figure out how we're gonna get the ground running with my catering, we gotta eat, we gotta pay bills and things right. like that. I'm not just gonna up and leave and not have <laughs> a game plan. So It was almost like a win-win. They were getting what they needed from me. And I was also getting what I needed from them. Even though to some people, they're like, that was a long time. I was like, it was long enough to do what I needed to do.
0: Yeah. No, it was a win-win. Absolutely. And you didn't burn that bridge because Mm -hmm. you took the time to make sure that the right person came in to replace you. That's awesome. And awesome that they would, you know, you hear so often in like corporate America, you know, you give your resignation, you give two weeks, and they're like, nope, you can go home now. You know, here's, yeah, here's and your you- box of stuff. You know, where's your security card? You know, so that's amazing that they let you stay for nine months. It's awesome.
1: I think it was also, too, see, in corporate America, it's completely, I mean, it's completely different from a family owned business. Yeah you know, because corporate people are on Indeed all the time, bum, 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 you know, coming out of what is all like paperwork with yep. the home restaurant business aspect, you're hands on, your foot is in everything, you know, you have to be there. There is no like, oh, I'm just answering phones and not saying that I'm not, Degrading anything about anything, you know, anyone else's profession, but you're not just answering phones. I can't just replace you with someone who can just say good morning. You know, you have to actually know what you are doing in that kitchen to make sure that this home business does not fall flat. So, knowing, you know, I believe they knew
0: that. (laughs) So that was another
1: plus, too. So, yeah.
0: Awesome. What kind of tips would you have for brides and couples to make the menu planning easier? You know, do you, do you want them to come to you with ideas or is is that just brought, brought out when you have your meeting with them?
1: It's always good to come out with your ideas. I think it's absolutely great because then it's a smoother transition too. And then right away, even during a 30 minute consultation, you can find out if the wedding um, caterer is affordable. A lot of times you don't find out until after you've looked over the menu you've had all these different conversations and then they send you an invoice. you're like oh man we really loved everything we saw but we can't afford it mm. but if you sat down and you're you know, like honey we're about to call you know we're about to inquire about you know all these different things let's have a little list what is your mom like what is dad like what do you want what do you not want you know is any allergies you know this is the conversation you as your the person that you're gonna marry anyway should want to know about each other regardless too. You know, so while you're sitting there just having those conversations or even, you know, you don't have to know that I want chicken, shrimp, lobster, whatever, but just be like, well, his, you know, his family is extra Italian. My family is extra Dominican. You know, we really want to kind of hone that all together. Is there any way you can do that? And even that small little thing can give you, all right, here's four menus. Let me know what you think. You Mm -hmm. know, opposed to sending out. I mean, I. I always love to create a menu per client. So it's not a hard task, I guess, because I'm always like thinking about food anyway. <laughs> and once you say <laughs> something that you really like, I'm like, oh, I could totally over. Let me put that in. Oh, yep. wait, wait, no, maybe I like this, you know?
0: So then I get excited because then I'm like, oh, I'm the one that got to do the testing for this. <laughs> oh, sign me up. I'll be a taste tester yeah. anytime. <laughs>
1: So yes, I mean, it's always a plus, but if they don't, we absolutely understand because you're worried about the florist, who's going to make the cake, where's your dress going to come from? If mom is going to be okay on the plane on the way here, all this other stuff that you think about as a bride, you know, so if you're not a hundred percent of what you want to eat, because a lot of times the brides don't even get to eat, to be honest, I know I barely got to eat. I ate like at the end of the night on my wedding night. So, you know, I understand,
0: but it's always a plus. That was the one piece of advice that almost every single person told me when we were getting closer to the wedding. Make sure you eat. Make sure you take that time to eat. And I was like, what the heck? You know, of course I'm going to eat. and paying for food. But I I did. We made a concerted effort, and I did enjoy my meal wholeheartedly a very long time ago, so don't ask me what we had. But... Um, <laughs> But I did – that was always at the back of my mind Mm because, you know, people like were always saying, you know, you're going to be so wrapped up in talking to people and dancing and, you know, the whole party aspect. They're like, make sure you eat. So are there any kinds of trends that brides or couples are looking to or seeing on Pinterest that you see, you know, being asked for a lot? Or do you just, you know – I mean, I know you're very creative with your menus, but, you know, is there anything specific that brides are asking for these days? No, not necessarily, Not at least not
1: to me. They're not necessarily asking for anything in particular, but I do suggest the grazing tables that are now up and coming even more. I've been doing them for a long time, but I feel like they're everywhere. Now they have like a breakfast grazing table and, you know, the 4th of July grazing table. Like they have all these different ways of like making. So they used they they were originally like charcuterie and cheese boards.
0: Okay.
1: Now they're just ongoing grazing tables, which I've been doing for a long time because of the shortness of staff. It was my way of also saving you staff but also the fact that I didn't want to have to try to pull people to be serving you. And then working in different weddings too, I noticed even in the front of the house how annoyed guests get sometimes when you're in their face with a plate, a platter, or something. Like, would you like to try? Would you like to try? Would you like? And then, you know, the person who's hosting it, they want you to go around like more than three or four times to the guests so the food, you, you know, you don't have all this food left over. Right, And then you run into a situation to where now they have toothpicks in their hands and little plates in their hands mm-hmm. and napkins they don't know what to do with. And if you're not looking around, they end up with that stuff in their hands or on the floor and no offense, even around, you know, of course, <laughs> before COVID, I don't really want to touch a napkin slash toothpick you just had in your mouth,
0: right, you know? And, right.
1: you know, so it's like, if you want to, Three, four, five different types of appetizers, and you know, all these different types of things for your reception. I always um, tell them to get the grazing table. It's a beautiful spread, it covers every basis from vegan to vegetarian to meat eater to vegetable eater to you know, just anything you can think of for the most part. Gluten free, you know, all those different things and you can separate it and it looks gorgeous. And then you also, you're not interrupting the guests while they're trying to talk to people they haven't seen in a long time, you know? And then while that's being, you know, while everyone's sitting there and they're eating and chit chatting, your guests, your your staff is actually helping you in the back getting dinner ready to go out for the reception. There's less, you know, people just trying to walk around, no one to be found because they're trying to make sure no one's dropping anything or people are not looking for kebabs or what ha- whatever it is that's on the menu, right? Right. So I always suggest the grazing table in that aspect when people ask for cocktail hour or appetizers and things like that, unless it's a sit down dinner,
0: of course. Right, right. I love that. And I've not heard the term grazing table before. I'm like, and I'm a grazer. So I'd be standing just at that table eating. everything. <laughs> uh, I'd like my own personal grazing table every single day. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have any memorable stories or favorite uh, wedding stories from uh, your years of experience? There was one that I did and they had like a
1: raw bar. And I don't know, I mean, when I was in the restaurants, I mean, I shucked oysters like my life depended on it. And I got really, really good at it. So it was just like almost like a pride and joy for me to be able to be like, oh, pop, pop, pop. Like, you know, I can just do it because people have such a hard time opening clams and shucking oysters. And I got, (laughs) you know, I was really good at getting those bad boys open. So we had a raw bar and people were just you know, it's impressive to see how many oysters and raw fish people can down in like a <laughs> sitting. So it was just, you know, that was one of that was one of the um, good menus that I thought was really cool because we had all these different types of um, crab legs and lobster tails and different types of um, oysters and clams and things like that. And then they had their food stations, so we didn't just have. We had like a an Italian station. We had the uh, Portugal station. There was also like a pasta station. I remember doing a roasted pig and like those china boxes. And that was really cool because that was my first time ever doing it that way. And wow. I was just like praying the whole time, like, let it be cooked. Let it be cooked. <laughs> I, you know, you, can, you, can, you can't really test that. You know, unless you buy your own little china box in the backyard or something. But, you know, someone's like, yeah, we got our own china box. We just want you to come and roast the pig. And I was like, sure, absolutely. And then I get there and I'm like, oh, it's actually a coffin for a pig.
0: Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, I was just going to ask you, what's a china box? Is that you're roasting the pig in the box?
1: Yes. So you put the pig on the bottom and then you cover it and then you put the coals and the fire on top and then you close it for about a good amount of hours, depending on how long they want it. But, you know, it's usually five to six, sometimes depending on how high the heat gets mm. um, or how low it is. It could be even up to eight hours, you know, but it was a whole pig. And when I got there, she, when before I got there, she said that the pig was only 30 pounds. And I was like, okay, that's fine. And, you know, so I'm like, okay, it's going to be a pretty nice time. And I get there. And when I tell you that pig was bigger then my torso, I was just like, <laughs> oh my gosh. And I was, like, <laughs> I was so happy that I never leave. Like I literally, my knives, after they never leave my trunk. I have my house knives and then I have my kit my cooking knives, like my um, professional knives. Right? right. And they never leave my trunk until it's time to do an event or what have you. or I'm cleaning them, sharpening them. And then they go back yep. in the trunk because if I didn't have them. I don't know if I would have ever been able to forgive myself because I had to, like, break it down so it could fit inside of this box that was only supposed to be made for, like, a maybe a 50-pound pig. And that pig oh, wow. was, like, 65 to 70 pounds.
0: Oh, my word. You know,
1: I was like, I don't think they knew the measurement because they told me it was 30. Right. But, you know, I'm, I'm over here and I'm hacking off the leg and I'm, like, trying to cut <laughs> down this part and all this stuff. And I have this huge butcher knife that I had got. And it, everyone's like, oh, my goodness. And I remember the husband telling me that he didn't have lighter fluid. So he goes into his garage and he proceeds to get a gasoline container. And I was like, if your husband lights this China box with gasoline, I am leaving. I was like, go get lighter fluid. I was like, this is not it. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) <laughs> Under advisement, he went to go get some lighter fluid. Because I was like, we're not cooking a pig in gasoline. Like, I don't know yeah, what's going on. Oh my yet. God. So that was one of my really good
0: funny stories.
1: It's
0: oh, um, an awesome story.
1: <laughs> but overall, in a story, the the pig came out delicious. It was tender. It was very flavorful. They loved it. But I was like, you know, it was just another learning lesson. Like, you know, I'm happy I had my knives in there never cook a pig in
0: gasoline, like. (laughs) That could be a title of a book you write, Don't Cook a Pig in Gasoline. Uh (laughs) And and other culinary tips.
1: (laughs) Oh my goodness.
0: Uh, What's your favorite type of cuisine? Or do you just like everything? I do like
1: everything, but I definitely enjoy um, Spanish, Dominican, Puerto Rican flavors, Mexican, like all, like, spanish-influenced food and asian-influenced food like i love pickled things like i love kimchi i love olives i love um like pickled watermelon rinds a lot of people are like what's that i'm like you just pickle watermelon rinds like you would a regular cucumber for pickles you know okay. like that kind of stuff i love pickled beets like i like briny foods so yeah those things. And then just a lot of flavor, you know, not salty, but flavorful where you can taste what it smells like. You taste that in your rice or in your meat. you know, you're like, oh, Mm. I smell thyme. And then you get that flavor and it's like, oh, I taste the thyme. I taste the cumin. I taste the turmeric, you know, things like that. Cause I'm, you know, I've always like, if I walk into like a store or restaurant, I'm like, oh man, whatever that smell is, I want it. And then you can't find what it is that you're smelling, you know? (laughs) And that's always like, oh, man, because your mouth is watering for whatever your brain is telling you is, like, going to be delicious. Right, right. right.
0: Oh, that's amazing.
1: Yeah.
0: Awesome. So let's tell people your contact and social information for anybody who wants to get in touch with you.
1: Yes. so um, you can find me at www.hungryfortravel.org. Um directly hungry for travel four two one at gmail.com 718-864-7687 is my personal and business phone. So you leave a message, I definitely get right back to you on our website. We have a little box where you can fill it out and um it comes directly to my email and I can also respond that way. We are also on the wedding wire and the knot. So if you look us up there, we should be available there also. Um I usually have a part-time assistant who looks over those platforms for me every so often. Thumbtack is another way to contact us. That's another, um, how do you say, reserving app where you can find local and abroad um, people to do different things, anything from catering to bartending and things like that.
0: Awesome. And we'll have those links on the show notes when this episode publishes.
1: Okay. Well,
0: it's been a joy talking to you, Yolanda. I thank you for having me. So ready to like to go eat. <laughs> 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 you got the taste buds going here. Um, I appreciate your time, and uh, hope you. we'll be in touch again. Yes. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you. What are the next steps, brides? Please like our Facebook page at HV Bride Podcast. You can also find us on Instagram with that same handle, HV Bride Podcast. If you're a wedding vendor, you can be a guest on this podcast. We are also open to chatting about sponsorship and advertising opportunities. Please send an email to podcast at HudsonValleyBride.com and we'll get in touch. And be sure to check out our website, HudsonValleyBride.com, where you'll find wedding planning articles as well as all the podcast episodes. Congratulations to all of our Hudson Valley brides. And here's a champagne toast to fun wedding planning.